This is the Bates Bobcast, a weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morse, and this week we preview the women's and men's lacrosse seasons. Plus, the women's swimming team turned in an outstanding performance at the NASCAC Championships, and the men's squash team finished its season on a high note. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. The women's swimming team had a NESCAC championships to remember, finishing fourth out of 11 schools and recording a number of NCAA B-cut times. The fourth place finish is Bates' best at NESCACs since 2016. The biggest highlight for Bates, sophomore Caroline Apathy recorded the fastest time in the 100-yard butterfly in the country so far this season on her way to winning the NESCAC championship. Head coach Peter Casares recaps the meet. It all started Thursday night this year with the 800 free relay, and the team got fifth in that one, kind of setting a really good tone for the whole meet, didn't it? Yeah, um, fifth place doesn't sound that exciting, but um, we ended up 11th in the country when that race was over. So um, we knew we had a relay that, um, you know, when they take 19 to the national meet was in a safe spot knowing that there's a whole other weekend of competition. So four of our women felt like, hey, we're headed off to North Carolina and nationals, and three of them had never been before. So it was two freshmen, a sophomore, and then our senior captain, Lucy Faust, and it was just a great way to start the meet. They all swam great, and um, we were smiling ear to ear on the way back to the hotel that night. Certainly, and there were a lot of NCAA B-cut times swum by a variety of swimmers on the team, weren't there? Yeah, you know, the B-cut times have gotten faster and faster each year, and I remember thinking Saturday night we had one B-cut on the team from an individual, and that was Caroline's 100 Butterfly and yet all of our relays looked like they had a really good shot at nationals. So the depth that we had been thinking was going to pay off early in this year um, was really doing its job because the relays were so deep and so fast that even though individually we weren't creating uh, national opportunities for our kids, our relays all together coming together um, were doing it, and that was what we really had hoped from the, from the beginning of the year would happen. We mentioned the 800 free relay. What were some of the other relays that really impressed you at NESCAC? Our 200 medley relay right now, I think, is seated seventh in the country. Um, that was just outstanding. It was one one hundredth off our school record. Um, again, it's it's almost completely new in terms of who's on that relay. Um, and then uh, the last night, our 400 freestyle relay, which is a, a, a sprint relay. Um, we had um, Caroline Apathy anchoring it. Um, Yana Cahoe leading it off, which was um, what we knew would happen, I think, probably from day one, um, something of that situation. Um, but there in the middle was our senior captain, Lucy Faust. And Lucy, earlier that day, won a national cut in her mile, which is the longest event going. So to throw your miler up into your sprint relay on the last night um, just really showed off how well she was swimming and how the, how the you know what variety she has and what, what ability she has. Um, so you put that in there and you put a freshman in there who has never been in this type of a situation. Um, and for us to go under 328 like we did was just a, a phenomenal way to end it. And I think our relay is in really good position there to go off to. Well, Lucy, I mean, I know she does a lot of uh, outdoor swimming also. So endurance, not really a problem for her, is it? Yeah, she is an endurance queen. Uh, I think her, her NESCAC poster even refers to her as a distance queen by the team, by the men's team. So she is... She is able to handle many races. Um, she found her groove in the mile this year, dropped 15 seconds off her lifetime best, which is 
my gosh, that's, you know, it takes her 15 seconds to swim a length in the pool. So that's a significant drop in time. And um, it was just a phenomenal way to see her end up her career with two national cuts on the last day, one in the mile and one in a sprint event. The national cuts, it's not automatic, so you have to kind of wait to see who they kind of select. So with her, she's going on a relay. So yeah, she's on the eight sure. free relay, yep. so she's swimming it. Yeah. And so we know for sure since she went that mile, she has the ability awesome. to swim that at nationals yeah. and have another race um, while she's out there for those four days. Outstanding. All right, so i got to talk about Caroline Apathy and what she did. First of all, the 100 butterfly she won the NESCAC title. I believe I read somewhere she's also number one in the country right now. Is that true? Yep. You know, the, the lists that are out as of this yeah. Monday morning have her first in the country right now with the fastest time in the nation. Um, so to, to see what Caroline did in that event um, really was mind-blowing. She, she was 55-5 in the morning and 54-5 at night. Um, she didn't even think about her time. She just raced the girl next to her and wanted to beat her. And... Um, it was just a beautiful, perfect swim in our first NESCAC champion um, in the 100 Butterfly since uh, Coach Vanessa was there doing it um, in 2004, I think, 2005. So um, just a, an awesome kind of torch being passed on since Vanessa's coached Caroline the entire year um, and written every practice for her and, and led her in those practices. So you can see how great that combination is. Um, and Caroline literally had one of the most amazing NESCAC meets I have ever witnessed from anybody in the conference over 12 years. Um, in the 200 free relay, she threw up the fastest split in the entire conference to help our two free relay get that national cut, um, breaking 23 seconds, and that's never happened before for us. In the 400 medley relay, she went 54 on that relay, being the fastest 100 flyer in the conference. Um, so she was doing whatever it took to get friends and teammates to the meet with her. Um, and then she was taking care of business herself, going a B cut in the hundred free, of a B cut in the hundred fly, and and putting up a, a really nice um, fifty free and fifty fly for us also. And she's doing this as a sophomore, which is pretty remarkable, isn't it? Yep, she um, had a lot of expectation on her this year as our um, as our only swimmer that had qualified um, individually last year for the meet, um, returning. Um, so she um, she dealt with that pressure really well trained really hard and then you put her in a big meet in a big moment and she is very dependable um, the first meet of the year we needed to win the last relay um, to win the meet against Wesleyan and she anchored it and touched the girl out with her fastest time of the year the last meet of the year she's there anchoring our relay with a 50.9 split and um, sending us off to nationals so she's doing it when it counts and that's really fun to be a part of I know when we spoke on the radio, you mentioned the goal was, you know, probably top four, and you got top four for the team, huh? Yeah, I mean, that was the dream. We, yeah. were, we were sixth on paper. We were supposed to be 120 points behind fourth place when you scored out the meet based on seeds. Um, so to see us uh, nearly 100 points ahead of fifth place and fourth by herself um, was just a, a tribute to the team as a whole. Our, our stars were stars, and... Um, our depth players um, swam better than they ever hoped to. So from 1 to 24, we couldn't have asked for a better, a better kind of experience. And I told the team, I said, I've been here for 12 years, and I've been through a lot of wonderful NESCAC meets. There's not one that's probably better than this. You know, I can't think of, of one that was, was more special. So enjoy it, and, and don't ever forget it, because they don't come around as often as you think. And Hannah Johnson on the last day got a big cut too, right? Yep, Hannah. Um, she, you know, to her credit, she was abroad. 
um, first semester. She found a pool. She trained on her own almost every day, and she made it happen. Um, and then she came here, and she went a bee cut in her 200 back, which is an event she swam at nationals her freshman year. Um, she's 21st in the country, and they're taking 20. Mm -hmm. So she's going to try this weekend at Middlebury to get a half a second faster and see if she can she can get to that meet again. Um, Yannicka Ho was also abroad, and she was a member of all of our fastest relays. And so Yannicka came back to us after missing our training trip um, and was clearly behind. But, boy, I don't think anybody could have worked harder over the last six weeks. Um, she did everything possible to be ready for this team at conferences, and it showed up on every relay swim. Um, and even individually, she just put it together and scored points for this group um, and really just kept talking about how she wanted to be fast on relays, and she did it. And our relays are going because of her. So to see our abroad girls um, come through for us because of that grit and determination is great. I don't think any coach wants to see their swimmers take off for a semester, um, but if they are, you, you've seen that it can be done, and you have to just really put your mind to it and be really special to make it happen, and those two are. So this weekend, it's the NETSCAC championships for the men, and the women have the what, sort of a last-chance type opportunity, right? Exactly. On the last day of men's NETSCACs, um, there's a three-hour break between trials and finals, and the first hour of that break, um, while the divers are getting ready to compete in their, in their session, um, is a, an hour-long meet. For any women that want to try one more time, a time trial to go, to go off um, to nationals and improve their time. So we'll have a handful of women that have uh, made the meet on relays, try to go there, um, and just drop a little bit of time and make a B cut so they can get some individual swims. Awesome. And then for the men, Alex Bedard's been the headliner all year. What he's done. Who are some other guys who are looking to have big meets coming up here at the NESCAC? Uh, there's too many. Um, you know, Alexander Ignatov is our school record holder. I, I haven't seen him have a better year of training than he has had this year. Um, we've got a freshman, uh, Peter Corey, who sometimes does the most amazing things I've ever seen in practice, and that always bodes well towards a big breakthrough meet. Um, Andrew Hall and Jack Johnson are two freshman boys that are so good at, um, at all four strokes. Their IMs could be unbelievable. Uh, Dan Waterland has uh, been our lead backstroker as a freshman, and he stepped into some big shoes, so that's good. Um, gosh, Rory Collins, um, he's, he hurt his, his elbow about two weeks, three weeks ago, and um, he's been coming back from it, but I just watched him swim this morning, and he's looking great. I mean, I could, I could go through just about every class and, and every group, and I know I'm probably missing some people. Matt Charest, um, mm. you know, and uh, some of our sophomores, like, it's just they're ready to go. Um, and they have to be pretty pumped right now after watching our women do what they did. So I'm excited to see them this afternoon um, and talk to them about NESCACs and then see what we can do with our depth this year. Uh, this might seem like a weird question, but you know the pools themselves can be a little different, right? How does Middlebury compare with where you're just at Wesleyan? Um, each venue has its pluses and minuses. Yeah. Middlebury is the best pool, I think, mm. um, in terms of um, – deck space, lane space, depth in the water, um, speed in the pool. It's wonderful. What they don't have is hotels. So we're cramming our guys, <laughs> we're cramming our yeah. guys into, 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 into hotel rooms and trying to fit everybody. Um, Wesleyan, we've always had magical meets at, um, and we can spread out in the hotel space there in Hartford and in, in Middletown, but their pool has air quality issues every year. Mm -hmm. So our, so the kids are coughing a little bit by the time it's done and trying to deal with some, some stuff like that. Wherever you go, there's something you have to deal with. And our team, I think, understands that and just says, this is, this is okay. We're going to still do it. People have done it in the past. Um, so this is a fast pool. Um, if they can 
you know, if they've rested well this week, if they've taken care of themselves, if, if they're doing everything right, they're going to go there and just destroy it. Well, yeah, and the men, um, you know, you mentioned the women. The goal was kind of top four. The men have a lot of people that had to replace from last year's team that, of course, graduates from the best swimmers in Bates history. And so what are some expectations or realistic goals you're setting for this meet for the men? Yeah, I think – I think this group has a chance to be in the top half of the conference. And when you're when there's 11 teams, you're hoping for fifth or better. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, you know, I don't know if we're going to um, send a group off to nationals or send no one off to nationals, but I think at this NESCAC meet, um, they could be fifth and they could flirt with fourth if, if everybody's on and, and we're all scoring. Um, but it's a fast meet and there's a lot to have happen. And... Uh, I'll see how they how they rise to the occasion, and I'll be excited to see who does step up and really embrace the moment. Apathy not only won the NESCAC title in the 100-yard butterfly, she also finished second in the 50-fly, helped Bates take third in both the 200-yard freestyle and medley relays, and she finished sixth in the 100-yard freestyle. And Caroline Apathy is our female Bobcat of the week. The fly seems to be your stroke at the moment. What makes that stroke so good for you? I've been told by many people it's the toughest in swimming, but what makes it thrive for you, you think? Um, I think my underwaters definitely help me. Um, when I push off the wall, I do butterfly kicks, so I think that gives me a huge advantage of, over other competitors. I don't know. I try to change my stroke this year to make it more wider entrance in my hands but it's always just worked for me I guess yeah when did you first learn it I mean it is a tough stroke yeah um probably when uh I used to do a lot of backstroke when I was little I started swimming when I was seven so I did backstroke for like a couple years and then I started doing butterfly when I was like 10 or 9 I guess um and then Another person on my team started getting better at backstroke than me, so then I had to do butterfly for the team. So I've always just done butterfly in high school and middle school. So, yeah. Great. So you, you won the 100 fly after finishing second last year. Yeah. What was the reaction? What was your reaction when you touched the wall and looked up there at the score? I it was I was in shock because I couldn't be, I couldn't believe that I was going into finals top seed. Mm. Like I thought there were a lot of strong competitors in the 100 fly and I thought they would all go faster than me and I wasn't it was circle seated so I was in heat um like four out of like six in prelims so I couldn't race against the girls that were like top five um and I won my heat and I thought like my I had a pretty good solid time but then I saw other girls go and I realized I was top seed I thought it was crazy I like, couldn't believe it and I kind of tried to not think about being top seed going into the night because anything could happen yeah. and um yeah I I couldn't believe that I even went like a 54 I've been really striving to go that time off a flat start for a while so and then your the runner-up was a swimmer from Williams but then there was also someone from Bowdoin that was in the race. And tell us about that kind of rivalry going back and yeah. forth. Yeah. So during the year, um, Mary Larita, she's another sophomore. She beat me at the main state meet in the 100 fly and at the Bowdoin meet against Bowdoin at Bates. Um, she beat me by point a, a hundredth second. Yeah. yeah. So I was kind of like just focusing on that a lot and 
going into finals, I realized she was, I think, third or fourth. And uh, I don't know what was going to happen. I thought she was going to, I think she got third. Um, but I was more focused on that than Maya Hare, who won the 50 fly. Maya was right next to you, I know, on the 100 fly. And I think I'm looking at the video. It's hard to see, but it looks like yeah. she briefly had a lead down the stretch, but then you overtook her. What yeah. was that like? Honestly, like, I had no idea I was out in front with her. Mm -hmm. um, I knew someone next to me was with me on the third wall. Um, but my underwaters kind of helped me and, like, getting past her but my what I have no idea how it looked except yeah. what my coaches tell me and they Vanessa told me that I was dominating the field with Maya the whole time so that was pretty surprising um yeah I'll I just remember like being on the third wall and like everyone cheering on that side <laughs> like my whole team and like a bunch of people were in my face and I just knew I had to like have a perfect underwaters to beat Maya so yeah now for those who don't know when you say underwaters what does that mean in the context of swimming oh just like when I do a turn and then I come push off the wall right now your 100 fly is ranked number one in the country what does that mean to you uh that's crazy yeah. I I had no idea that it was gonna be number one that is insane to me um my dad told me that my time from this year would have gotten second last year mm. at nationals. So that's even crazier to me because I remember swimming it at nationals last year and I got like six, I think. Um, so that's crazy to me to think that I got six and now I'm number one going into the meet. And I mean, we'll still have to see for some other sure. yeah, <laughs> championships to end out. So I could... Yeah. <laughs> but as of now, number one, obviously. And then your teammates just, I mean, they turned in some monster performances. Tell us about some of the, your teammates who really yeah. stood out to you. Yeah. Um, well, another B-cut qualifier, Lucy Foss, who's already going. All, all of our relays are going to yeah, nationals, which all. is insane because going into the meet, our coach was telling us that, you know, like, it's going to be tough. Like, we might not have a chance, but it every relay ended up, making those times by like a second or a couple of seconds which is insane and I'm so excited because the first night it was the eight free relay so everyone killed it Aaron Bucky, Caroline Sweeney and Maya, Renosa Williams um, and Lucy they all took it out incredibly fast which was such a great start to the meet um, and another race that was one of like my highlights of the meet watching was Lucy doing the mile because no one really I didn't realize she was on pace for the national cut um until my coach told me that she was so we all gathered behind the block or on the other side of the lane cheering her on to get it and it was really amazing to see her finish and get that cut um also just people who haven't gone their time like close to their best times who did get a lifetime best like Emily Rogers Stone she did in the 100 back and other people who at finals like 200 back and two, all the 200 back and all the breaststrokers who did amazing this weekend um it was a great meet for a lot of people how cool is it for you to be you're the first 100 fly NESCAC champion at Bates since 
your associate head coach there, Vanessa Williamson. Yeah. What's that dynamic that, like? That's pretty cool. That is, yeah, it is great. I mean, Vanessa, tell like, she really calms my nerves. Like, she, I was really nervous going into finals um, until I talked to her, and she told me, you know, like, you have so many more swims of this. You've done this a million times. Like, just do your own thing. Just do yourself. And she kind of tells me, hey, like, like she tells me what I did wrong in a race, and I really take that into consideration, I do it, and then I do it better, and I really appreciate her feedback a lot. Yeah, you touched on the opening night relay that you were not a part of, yeah, which must uh, have been nice because yeah. it's an my, exhausting meet. Yeah, my 200 free, my, I, there's so many other girls that are yeah. so much, like, amazing at the two free, and that's just not one of my specialties, which I'm kind of, ha- like, it's a hard race. It's a really tough race. I was going to ask you how nice it was to have that opening night where you can not have to worry about swimming and just watch your teammates. Yeah, it was <laughs> nice. I mean, going on – it because people had class. Like, yeah. all those girls that were on the relay, I think they had class before we left to go on the bus. And I can't imagine sitting on that bus ride being like, oh, I have to race tonight. It's like – but it was – a very exciting start to like get in the pool warm up and then watch your teammates race and be like okay this is finally starting like it was a good beginning to the meet from a training perspective is this week entirely a week off or are you getting back to that pool pretty soon we have a couple all the girls who are going to nationals we have a couple days off and Mm -hmm. our first practice starts wednesday Mm -hmm. i think yeah so a couple people went home like Susie rickman went home lucy went to Boston. I th- like, a bunch of people went to Boston, but they're me, Yannicka, Emmy, Daigle, and um, I think that's it out of the national group stayed here. Mm. Um, and there's a bunch of girls who stay here over break because they just didn't go home, and the whole guys team is here for <laughs> NESCAC, so we're not alone. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, any other thoughts on the NESCAC championships that we haven't talked about or anything that you wanted to share? It's a lot of fun to watch. I, I wish more people could, like, come and see it because uh, Wesleyan is pretty far. It's, like, a five-hour drive, but watching everyone swim and people you know is a really amazing experience to look at. I The best part of NESCACs for me is watching my teammates race mm-hmm. and being on the relays because I don't know you're doing something with all your friends and you're a part of something bigger so it's really nice. The men's squash team competed for the Summers Cup at Team Nationals over the weekend. The Bobcats dropped a match to MIT before bouncing back to defeat Tufts and Amherst finishing the year as the 21st ranked team in the country. Senior captain Coley Cannon came up big for Bates sweeping all three of his matches and Coley Cannon is our male Bobcat of the week. Talking on the phone with male Bobcat of the Week, Coley Cannon here on the Bobcast. And Coley, first of all, this past week was uh, quite hectic for you and for some of the other players on the team. I'm sure you had midterms and then you had team nationals down at Yale where there were some morning matches. How did you handle that? You know, as a senior, you kind of knew it was the home stretch. How did you go about last week, kind of? Well, I, I think the key for me was just time management throughout the week. I knew I had to dedicate, you know, three hours or whatever it was for practice in the afternoon plus all these exams and papers I had to get done this week um, and of course I had to on top of that try to get good sleeps every night um, so it was it was it was really tough I had to prioritize some things um, 
uh, for work earlier in the week because of my some some of these uh, due dates, but. I was able to get that stuff done and focus on squash by the weekend, um, minus a few actually, minus a few assignments that I actually had um, over the weekend. That Pat actually had to administer one of my exams, which was um, pretty hectic. But um, I was I was able to get that stuff done and focus on squash by by the time Friday came around. Interesting, yeah. So that's something we don't necessarily talk about a lot. But you know, coaches having to sometimes administer exams, you guys on the road. How does that kind of go about? How do you go, kind of go about doing that? Well, it's tough. I mean, we had. Um, my exam time for that class was actually during one of our matches. Um, so um, we, I just had to play, play that match and then refocus by the time that was done um, and just start the exam pretty quick right after. So, um, you know, it's tough to switch mindsets like that, but that's part of the uh, gig when you're a student athlete like this. For sure. So, you know, as a senior, that match against Amherst, you, you swept the, your opponent there in your final match of your collegiate career. What was it like kind of walking off the court after that and, you know, finishing on a high note such as that, you know, going 3-0 personally at Nationals this year? Well, you know, it was um, – I didn't really think about it too much until uh, towards the end of the match. It was, it was – I knew it was going to be a tight one, and we were down when I was on court. So I was really just trying to focus on winning. Um, and I remember I got to match ball, and I, I, real, I took a few seconds and realized it was it. And I looked back, and my dad had a huge smile on his face. And it was kind of a moment where I got some tingles and just uh, I kind of – I was just trying to mentally capture that moment. And so because I knew that was going to be the last one. Um, and then played that point out and won it. And um, I don't know. It was, it, was definitely, it was definitely a big shock. And uh, I don't think it's hit me yet. Maybe once I get back to school and I'm not practicing every day, that'll – start settling in more often. Um, but it was definitely a crazy experience and a memorable one. I, um, I'm, I'm definitely uh, in a bittersweet, uh, bittersweet feeling right now now that, now, now that it's all over. Did you sleep a lot afterwards at home? Because, I mean, you're from Connecticut, so you probably went straight home, right? Yeah, well, I was lucky. That match was actually held at a facility that was um, 15 minutes away from my home. They uh, <laughs> sometimes, in the, uh, in, the, in the later days of the tournament, they – yeah. Uh, they they schedule the matches in facilities outside of Yale just because um, you know there's so much going on and if you're not in the actual uh, final of your of your bracket then um, you might be placed in another facility and that and that place which was Chelsea Piers in Stanford was 15 minutes down the road so I was able to get home quick and took a big nap right when I got home. For sure, I know uh, Pat mentioned to me you're not planning on playing an individual individual nationals. Are you going to go down there and though to Rhode Island and check out some of the players on base who are participating in that one? Yeah, I might. Um, I've actually haven't missed one yet because um, in, in the past I've I've gone when I mean I overlapped one year with Ahmed Abdelkhalik and he. Right. I wanted to go see him uh, win his national championship, and then the next year, um, which was at Dartmouth, I, I I went. I didn't play in it, but I went down to because I had a few friends at Dartmouth. Um, but I don't I don't really have any place to stay at the moment for Providence, but oh. um, I'll, I'll definitely consider it and, and weigh my options and see if I can go down there to support the team. What's it been like you, with you, McLeod, being the captains this year? How's that gone? It's, it's definitely been a roller coaster. In the fall, um, the fall was hands down the toughest part because, first of all, it was my first year doing it. McLeod did it last year, so he had a little bit more experience than I did in the fall. But um, with, with all these guys coming in from the summer and taking it nice and easy over the summer, we had to buckle down pretty hard in the fall and put, put the guys through a lot of fitness programs and um, you know, it's sometimes you don't want to put in that work that early, but uh, it really pays off in the uh, in the home stretch. And so it was it was a lot of convincing the guys to to get in as much practice as we can, and um, 
again with the academic schedule, uh, you, you don't want to you don't want to kill yourself when you're not even in season. Um, but I mean, sometimes that's what you got to do. So, so the fall was really really tough to get everyone in the mindset of of playing every day and and getting the mindset of uh, getting competitive and figuring out how to win matches. But uh, once the season started, Pat was great to to help us with any any problems or with the team dynamic or with logistical stuff and things along those uh, along those lines. So um, he was very helpful and very grateful for what he's done for us this uh, this winter. But um, you know, it's as as captains, you, you feel bad for the guys when you lose, and you feel extra happy for for uh, the guys when you win. So um, you kind of have a little bit more of a foot in the game than than some of the younger guys, especially because it's your last year too. You know. There's uh, anything you do this year, you don't have another shot at it. So um, there, there's, there's also that. But it was definitely a great experience, and I'm really happy I did it. I know there's been a number of cannons who have played at bait. Tell us a little bit about that history if people are unfamiliar. Yeah. Um, so my older brother, he was a senior when I was a senior in high school. So we never actually overlapped. But Pat never got rid of a cannon for eight straight years. And on top of that, I had a, a twin brother who played on the team as a freshman um, and stopped after that. So Pat's been dealing with cannons for a really long time. Um, and uh, hopefully that's a good thing. But, you know, we, we also we also probably Philip has played a lot as well. So, um, I mean, he's, he's known us for a while, and that relationship has been great. Um, and it was really good to live up to Andy's legacy because he, he had a great uh, squash career at Bates as well. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's fun – being on a team that he that he played on, and we've been able to talk about it and relate certain events to to each other's, and um, you know, some special that some other guys don't don't have. So I'm grateful for that. You have any younger siblings, or is this the end of the line <laughs> for now? No, it's the end of the line. I'm I'm my twin and I are the youngest of five, so gotcha. um, you know we're, we're the last two in college. My my parents have been coming to um, coming to squash matches, whether that's high school or, or college, for close to 15 years now. So that, that's, that's a big um, end of the line for them as well. You know, I've been talking with a few guys. You know, college squash is getting more and more competitive, more and more teams. It seems like each and every year. How have you seen things change from when you were a first year and watching, you know, Ahmed win his second national title till now, you think? Well, it's, it's, it's changed incredibly. Some of the teams that um, I played as a freshman have, have improved a ton. Um, it's, it's, it's a product of a lot of new international re- uh, recruitment and some, some teams that used to be uh, club turning varsity and getting a lot of funding. Um, and it's actually it's made it a lot more exciting because even though we, we might uh, drop a few ranks down, down the ladder with a the, with the team that's similar skilled when I was a freshman, um, it's so much more fun to have a more competitive uh, schedule. Playing, you know, I don't, I don't want to go out there and, and, and beat a team 9-0. I would rather go out there and beat a team 5-4. That was, that was better. It's, it's a lot better for our, for our team to, to mature and get some good competition before we play NESCAX and Nationals and stuff like that. And, um, you know, it just makes it a lot more exciting. Excellent. Well, any other thoughts on, you know, this past weekend and your career in general and what you've gotten out of it kind of playing for bait squash? I guess I'm just really grateful because – um, it's helped me mature a lot as a person, um, and I've got to just learn a lot from the program, not only about squash, but um, about myself and about how I deal with pressure and competition and leadership and stuff like that. Um, I hope to apply those skills to, to things I, I, uh, I do down the line. 
but you know it's it's pretty crazy to think about it looking back i was looking at some of my career stats and um and how i did this this past season and um i'm definitely proud of how i played but i i guess i'm more proud on on how mcleod and i were able to to shape the guys this year i mean that's that was far the harder task to do uh, just because you know you're you're dealing with the emotions of ten guys or twelve guys instead of um, you know instead of just one. So so it's um, I'm, I'm definitely proud of, of what I've done and, and uh, I'm excited to see what the guys can do next year. All right, Coley Cannon, Male Bobcat of the Week. Thanks so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. The skiing teams competed at the Middlebury Carnival over the weekend, and Alpine captain Griffin Mueller matched her career-best performance by finishing 7th in the slalom on Friday. Sophomore Hannah West had a strong weekend as well, finishing 23rd in the slalom and a team-best 15th in the giant slalom at Middlebury. On Sunday, the Alpine teams competed in the GS at Dartmouth, making up for a race that got postponed earlier in the year. West shined again, finishing 13th in a field of 76. Then Wes joined the Bobcast to talk about her progress and what to expect at the Bates Carnival this weekend. For carnival races, we only race two days in a row. But for fist races, some fist racers can be like two days of slalom and two days of Mm -hmm. GS. So we're used to usually racing like four days in a row too. So it's nothing anything different, but it's different for the means of having racing at two days at Middlebury and then going over and racing Dartmouth again. You've got some great performances all year in the GS, starting to come to your own a little bit in the slalom also. What are the different challenges you face with those types of races? What are the similarities, differences for you personally? For the slalom, I've been having a tough time finishing and finishing clean, having a clean run. I think I just, I get too excited. That's what I keep telling myself. And I get too antsy and I just like blow up and I feel like I just got to calm myself down a little more and stick to what I know what to do and finish my run just like that fine line of like trying to stay in control but also go as like hard as possible you know, like near crashing or near like out of control Bates Carnival coming up this weekend Sunday River you've had um you know races at Sunday River before during your time here we didn't have a carnival last season at Sunday River how excited are you for this opportunity I'm actually really excited um it's so cool to go to other races and see other teams there and their their environment and their they have some like of their students come up and cheer them on and it's really i'm really excited because we've had like you said a few races there before but no carnival races so this is going to be like a big deal it's our home hill we have kind of an advantage over other competitors because we train there every day we've raced there a few times and i'm just really excited to go up there and race one more last carnival how does the hill at sunday river compare to hills at other venues say middlebury or Dartmouth? Um, Dartmouth, the GS, I'd say, is it has a steep uh, pitch in the beginning, and then it's really flat. At Dar- uh, Middlebury, it's more like I'm talking the GS hills right now. Yeah, yeah. But we're racing on Monday morning, which is the same for GS and Psalm. And at Middlebury, there's a lot of rolls, I'd say. Mm-hmm. like kind of like breaks off, flattens, and breaks off again. Um, but Monday morning, I really like racing Monday morning because there's a lot of different it's like similar to uh, Middlebury it at the beginning kind of flattens off and then we're going to break down into a pitch then we're going to kind of bank onto a flat and then we're going to go over a roll and then we're going back onto the pitch and then the last like four gates five gates there it kind of flattens out a little bit more but it's still like there's a false it's a false flats so and you're tired by the end so you're still working it down there 
for sure. For carnivals, this might seem like a dumb question, but do you get any practice runs, or are you out there first run, that's that's yet to go? No, like, yeah. we're we're inspecting the course you visualize and you go there's no practice runs like we we do a warm-up run on the like run over yeah but no practice runs in the course mm. so it's a it's like a two-run race like all out gotta go do you feel more pressure on the first or second run because i feel like it could be kind of go either way this season i've been doing a lot better in my second runs mm. so i feel like the pressure's on first run and then you're like all right come on i gotta go second round but yeah. Tomorrow, this weekend, I gotta go. You gotta go all out both runs. Like yeah. it's like that at every race. You gotta do that both runs. I know last year you came very close to qualifying for NCAA's. You're kind of on that borderline again. How much did you pay attention to where you are, kind of in the rankings and stuff? Um. Well, last year I was paying. I was paying very close yeah. attention, and I think it kind of like upset me a lot mm-hmm. when I and in my racing, I was focusing so much on like my result and trying to focus on like getting to NCAA's that it kind of affected my skiing. Mm. So this year I'm just like taking it race by race. I'm just going out there trying to think about what I need to do and to get, to get faster at each run and fast be the fastest one down the hill. I saw your teammate Griffin Mueller had one of her better performances this weekend. And um, what have you seen from her? You know, you know, you and her kind of been the leaders of the team this year, it seems like. Yeah, I was, it was funny because after my run in Dartmouth or yeah, it was my run in Dartmouth. We were talking because we were like, we were like, why didn't we do this earlier? We got to get like, why didn't we do this earlier in the season? We were just like, yeah, we figured out, we remembered what we were doing. Like sometimes there's like little things that click for us and we've, you know, often forget it. And we like have to find those things that makes us click. And we've like, I guess we found them this weekend. Mm, Nice. And then, and that's perfect timing, right? With Bates Carnival coming up. I feel like we're really going into Bates Carnival, coming in hot. Like we're feeling good. We're feeling ready. Excellent. And then um, you're from Bend, Oregon, right? So how did you decide to come to Maine to come to Bates for college? So I went to a ski academy in Salt Lake City, Utah. Okay. And from there, my counselor, uh, she, I had a, lot, a few teammates that came here. She, my counselor's daughter actually came here too. Okay. And so we were really like, okay, I was looking at all of the NESCACs as well. So I was looking at like Middlebury, Colby, UVM, UNH, all those schools. And I was but like, so I applied to Bates my senior year and I got in, but I didn't know what I wanted to do yet. So I took the, I took a year off skied and then I applied ED to Bates and I got in. So I was like, I was like, yeah, I want to go to Bates now. Like yeah. I was like, I was ready. I was ready to come. Yeah. It seems like skiers, a lot of you do seem to take a year or even two, like Ari Van Buren took, he told me he took two years off. Uh, was that year or two, two off from school help you in terms of your skiing? Taking a year off for me, I was just like, it's taking the school part away mm-hmm. and it's focusing more on the skiing aspect because right now we're, we're, we're ba- uh, balancing school and skiing. So during my postgrad year, like I was, I was, I had a job, but I was also like working out. I was like focusing, I was working out twice a day and then also working nights. And then during the winter, I'd be training in the morning or training in the afternoon, maybe go powder skiing in the morning. It's like always, it's mostly like PG years. We call them PG years. Um, It's just focusing on skiing because we want to, we commit so much of our time to the sport and we want to get the best we want to be the best at it and we want to get the most out of it so taking a year off of school like that that helps a lot yeah so coming into the baits 
what was the adjustment like in the classroom? Like, now I'm back at school, you know, and it's college, and it's, and it's a really good college, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I feel like my high school really prepared me, but during my post-grad year, like, I feel like after coming in there, I was like, all right, I got to remember how to take notes again, yeah. study, how do I study for quizzes again? But it, it took, like, maybe a few weeks to get back into it, but I was like, it wasn't a problem. Sure, and then growing up, when did you first start getting into skiing? Um, at a young age, yeah. like maybe like three or four. Yeah. I don't know. My both my parents raced, and they were like putting me on skis as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. When you start competing, I mean, three or four years old, you're not really doing competitions. No, no. <laughs> I was just like I was on the bunny hill. I had yeah. my like like the little leash they had on us, you know, <laughs> and like the. What is it called? The edgy wedgy? I don't know. The thing that like keeps your tips together, so you're always in a pizza. Oh. Yeah, I was. You know, that's that's like the younger version. Then like, you know, moving up, like you you lose the leash, and like it's just like step by step. And I actually grew up at Mount Hood and Hood Mm -hmm. River, and I grew up at this like learned how to ski up this like little bunny hill, like one chairlift, four runs, but it was so fun. I had such a good time there. Do you ever go back and look at it now and be like, oh, yeah, this is where it kind of all started? In the summer, I work at the mountain mm-hmm. and, like, ski coach. Yeah. And we drive by it because it's not really – it's on the way to Hood River, but it's not on where we're training in the summer. Mm-hmm. And I drive by it, and it's just like, oh, it's so funny. That's where I started. And yeah. it's like now I'm, like, at racing these big races. And, like, in Maine, I started at this little resort <laughs> on Mount Hood. Sure. All right, well, any other thoughts on the Bates Carnival coming up? I'm just excited. I'm really excited to see what our team does. I'm like, we're, our boys are skiing really fast right now. The girls are feeling ready. We're feeling confident. And our Nordies, they're feeling good too. Yep. I'm really excited to just like all of us to go into our home and our home hill and our home resort and just like show them what we got absolutely yeah so this friday and saturday at sunday river for the alpine at black mountain for nordic come on out and check out the bates carnival hannah west thanks so much thank you it's time to preview the bates lacrosse seasons the women's team gets going thursday with a 2 p.m game at cabrini they are already off campus getting ready for the season opener so head coach brett allen along with senior captains joanna schaefer and eliza statiel join the bobcast on the phone to preview this season Brett, we'll start with you. You know, the team scrimmaged, a team called Rowan. How'd that go in terms of, you know, getting the first look at your team against another opponent? It was great. You know, I think uh, obviously we have a short turnaround time from the start of the season to when we compete just uh, with our NESCAC rule of February 15th being the start date. And so you have a couple of days of practice and then you kind of just sort of throw them right into the fire and see how it goes. And Um, You know, we were really pleased with how the kids played and how they competed. Um, Certainly Rowan played like a team that's been practicing for a month that they have, and we played like a team that's been, uh, you know, practicing for three days. But we worked on some things that uh, strategically we're going to be trying to do offensively and defensively um, and really got a chance to see everybody play. So it was a a really productive day for us. Joanna, you know, being a senior captain this year, um, what was your reaction when you found out you were going to be one of the captains and what are some of your responsibilities? there as one of the leaders um you know honestly i'm really lucky it's just a pretty easy team to lead um everyone has really good energy and really good positive vibes um and eliza and i have talked about a lot how we sort of got thrown into this great group of girls um so pretty much our job is to make sure people like stay focused um and stay positive through may um but we're really lucky that we have this group of people to be working with great eliza kind of same question for you what's it like being one of the captains this season i mean it's a huge honor we really 
as JoJo said, got dropped into a great position and the team kind of leaves itself. Now it's about facilitating the mentality as we go into season. We prepared all fall and winter, and now it's time to show people what we have. And it was nice to come out again and scrimmage a team that we don't usually see so we can focus on ourselves three days in and see what we can do and perform and put everything we practice into play. Great. And then, Brett, tell us about some of your key returners, maybe starting with the attack. I know, obviously, you got Katie Allard back. Uh, who else do you expect to see to score some goals this year? Well, I think uh, it's hard to say because we play in so many different combinations um, mm. with our scrimmage. And we've got um, probably about 10 to 12 kids that we're trying to evaluate right now and figure out who's going to you know, be really productive for us on offense. Um, you know, certainly we have some returners that scored some goals last year, and I would expect that they'll be – scoring some goals for us this year. But honestly, it's still so early in the season. Like the next couple of days as we get ready for Cabrini are going to help us sort of sort that out. So hard to say right now. Yeah, Joanna, I'm curious, you know, on defense, what, you're, what are you looking for from that unit, you know, when you, have the, when you had the opener here coming up in uh, just a couple of days there on Thursday? Yeah, so we're working a new system this year on defense, and I think everyone's really bought in and um, ready to contribute whatever their role may be in that sense. Um, and that's sort of the mentality that we're thinking about is just that, like, everyone has to trust the process and sort of, like, we're not just going through the motions. We're really working hard um, to make that process be as good as it can come Thursday and throughout the rest of the season. Um, and we just have a great group um, of defenders who are ready to, you know, do what it takes and sort of um, – compete really hard so that's super exciting Eliza how do you work with the defense like Joanna and the other defenders to help you make your job easier um I think the great thing now is that I've worked with them for quite a few years we have a couple first year defenders that are coming and stepping in we have a transfer who stepped in and has done an excellent job playing on the crease and playing low and they communicate really well um it's nice they get to see both sides of the field so I feel really fortunate for that and get to communicate with a lot of different players but it's made it really easy having JoJo with me on the field, and we get to communicate after a goal is scored or after a great play is made. So I'm very lucky in that sense and can just focus and do my job. And, Brad, I know you have a new assistant coach this year, uh, Lauren Kane out of UMass. Tell us about her. She's new this year to this group of girls, but she was an assistant for us a couple of years back in 2015 and 2016, um, and I've known her for probably 10 years because she used to be the head coach down at USM. Um, and so actually the seniors know her as well. Um, and it's just great to have her back. She was an offensive player, um, in college, uh, actually went to Maryland and transferred and finished up and graduated at UMass. And, you know, she brings a great perspective. Um, she obviously has a lot of lacrosse knowledge that she's able to share and contribute to the program. So, um, it's really nice to have somebody that I know really well, but also who the girls are familiar with, um, that has a ton of lacrosse information that she can, you know, bring to the team. Awesome. And then, Joanna, I'm curious, you know, from your perspective as one of the captains, who are some of the players you're most excited about seeing this year in terms of maybe having breakthrough years for Bates? Uh, honestly, like sort of aligning with what Brett said, it's hard to see, like, who's really going to come out of their shell and um, perform well, you know, under the pressure of NESCAT games. Um, but we definitely have, like, we have a small group of freshmen, so that's been really great because they've really been able to just sort of, like, take on a lot of the values that we hold and a lot of the things that we do. And then we have two transfers um, one's an attacking player and one's a defensive player, and it's just been um, really a privilege to see, you know, they went D1 first, so they have a lot of different perspectives. Mm. They have, a, you know, a sort of more big-picture side of the game um, that's pretty unique. So we're really lucky that we have them coming in and bringing up the play a lot. Yeah, Eliza, with these D1 transfers coming in, you got you got to make sure they know how tough the NESCAC is, right? I mean, what have you learned about NESCAC play over the years? Yes, definitely. I think 
Nick Tech play, really competitive. Um, you never know what you're getting into, and it can be any given day, and it can be a one-goal game. Uh, they've done an excellent job kind of transitioning into NESCAC play and really stepped up as leaders. Catherine Grennan's one of our attackers, and she's done an excellent job making the people around her look good. She's a really good feeder and attacker, and we're really excited for her. And then Katie Clark is one of our defenders, has stepped up. She has a really big presence, really loud, and she's brought a lot of energy to the team. So we're really excited for that. But, of course, until you, until you step on and play a NESCAC game and you feel that vibe and you travel to mid and you're there and you're playing – full speed, you never understand what it really is to play NESCAC. For sure. Well, Brett, any other thoughts on the season opener coming up here? No, I think we're just excited to get started. Um, you know, I think as coaches, because it's so early, there's obviously a lot of, uh, you know, enthusiasm and optimism, and certainly we share that as a coaching staff with the players. Um, you know, every time you get a chance to play early, you don't really have high expectations because you just don't know what you're going to get yet. And so we're just looking forward to that chance on Thursday. Um, you know, Cabrini's a really solid team. They've won their conference, it seems like, every year for the last five or six. Um, and so it'll be a good test for us at this point in the season, for sure. The men's lacrosse team takes on number three, nationally ranked RIT, this Saturday on the campus of UMass Amherst, with the game getting underway at 1 p.m. With Bates head coach Peter Lasagna still finalizing the roster, senior captain Stephen Bull joined the Bobcast to give his perspective on this year's squad. Being one of the captains this year, tell us about your leadership role and tell us about your co-captains as well. Hey Aaron, thanks for having me. Uh, happy February 15th, favorite holiday, but uh, it's good to, to have the coaches back. Obviously the captains still play a big role in leading the team throughout every day and, and in practice, keeping intensity. I mean, our coaches do a great job of making practice plans that are competitive, so we don't really have to worry about guys getting, getting complacent. Um, it's all about the competition and just pushing each other to be better. So that's how we keep it competitive. And your fellow captains, Rocco, Matt, and Curtis, tell us about what leadership qualities they bring. Yeah, so Rocco just leaves it all on the field uh, with this play, and, and Curtis is the vocal leader of, of the midfield, and, and Matt is obviously just running around with the crease in the attack. So all three of them lead by example, and that's what I really love about them. Yeah, so you and Rocco Fantoni, who was an All-American last year, you two kind of anchor that defense. What's that chemistry like? He definitely makes my job a lot easier <laughs> than uh, – when he's not on the field, just because he makes plays that nobody really expects him to make. And he is predictable in that way, and I will know him, he's going to make those plays. So uh, we work really well together. And, and the third person, whether it's Frankie Spitz or Will Haskell or even Will Holland, wherever those pieces are, uh, we just are going to play as a unit, and that's how we're going to stick together. You opened the season with the number three team in the country, RIT. They've already played one game. I know you got a chance to watch it. I know you played them last year. It was a close game. It was a low-scoring game. What are some takeaways from last season's game versus what you've seen from tape, on tape this year? Yeah, so uh, my first takeaway was how fast they moved the ball. And skip lanes were wide open. Uh, so we definitely have to close those just because that gets the defense rotating way too fast. Um, on their defensive end, they were pressed out to every sideline. Every sideline, every pass was contested. And then um, this is an interesting year because it's a, a rule change year. So this is, will be our first time playing live with referees with these new rules, and obviously they probably have one or two practice games. But we think we can put it all together and pull out the W. For those who don't know, what are the rule changes? So the rule changes are there is a straight-up shot clock this year, whereas um, last year it would be on, on the refs to throw the shot clock on when they thought you were moving too slow. This year, 80 seconds when the possession changes to get a shot. So it should speed the game up, and no offense can move the ball around too much. We have to go right to the goal. So for, that changes things on offense a little bit. How, how does that change things on defense, perhaps? 
So um, one of the ways it changes on defense is we know we only have to play for 80 seconds yeah. at a time, um, unless there's an offensive rebound. But we also know when the shot clock's coming down, they can't get too many more passes in. Somebody's going to have to go to the goal. Um, that gives us uh, an advantage on knowing where we need to slide or who we need to slide to. Just um, And the time becomes a, another defender, just like they say the sideline's a defender. Time becomes a defender as well. Two years ago, your sophomore year, you know, one of the best seasons in Bates Lemons across history. Last year, kind of a rebuilding year. What, what did you guys learn from last year's experience you're going to take to this season? Uh, we put young guys in a lot of important positions last year. Yeah. And now those young guys have experience and are ready to take on the NESCAC. Matt Lestav, obviously a monster season last year on attack. What, you know, you're obviously, you get to watch him from your perspective. What's that like? I get to watch him. I get to chase him around every day. And I'm glad I don't have to do it when it counts on game days. Yeah. Because um, that, that's a true terror to defenses. Um, he's just so smart with the ball and so shifty that he can get around you uh, with his quickness. Who are some other guys you're looking to see score some goals this year for Bates? Uh, Andrew Small, obviously, mm. on the midfield. And then I would like to see Otis Klingbeil finally back from the ACL injury that he mm. had. Uh, we're really excited to have Otis on the field with us. I know Curtis, he's one of the captains as well. He's got a, he's got a shot that reminds me a little bit of you know Kyle Weber a yeah. few years ago, right? <laughs> Definitely. They, they worked together on it when Curtis was a freshman and Kyle was a senior. They were always shooting together, and it, it is pretty much a mirror image, which is cool to see. And, you know, he's not looking for the glamour of the top corner. He's putting it right low and away where the goalie can't get it. And, and nobody oohs and ahs at that, but it goes up on the scoreboard. <laughs> for sure. I mean, looking at the NESCAC, obviously it's as loaded as ever. What's that like day in, day out, you know, in men's lacrosse playing these teams? I think, yes, or last year, we realized how hard it is to win an SCAT game. Mm. Um, it's every time you step out on the field of battle. Whereas sophomore year, maybe we took for granted our talent um, coming into the next year. But last year, we realized it's tough. Everyone's a battle. And um, if you don't bring your ball, you're going to get upset or you're just going to get blown by. I mean, for instance, you guys were really close with Wesley in last year during the regular season, previous year during the tournament, and then they ended up winning it all last year. I mean, that just shows how close things are, aren't they? Right. So uh, the day that happened, we were already motivated to come back this year, yeah. but to see Wesley on in Gillette Stadium and hold the trophy up last year is an added motivational factor that we were sitting with the best of the best, the top class. Tell us a little bit about you know the team dynamic this season, maybe um, what kind of team it is. I mean, obviously, we've only had a few – Official practices, but you know, I'm sure there were captain's practices and whatnot. What's, what's the dynamic like so far? So one part of, um, that people might not all know is that we have a new defensive assistant coach, mm -hmm. and the intensity that he brings to practice, you should see his face when there's a, a good check or a, a turnover. It's, he's getting rowdier than the guys that are on the benches. So um, he brings an added intensity, and everybody's following in that. Um, a second new offensive assistant would be Ivy Stucker. And he um, is one year out of college, played at Roanoke. So he adds kind of a, a new flair to the offense because uh, he's a Mainer himself and he played a lot of box across, all these elements that, that come into play in small, tight areas he can help with. Who are the first years we should be excited to see play this year? You should be excited to see Dylan Williams on Long Pole Midi, mm -hmm. who has not only defended well, but put balls in the back of the net in our fall ball and our captain's practices. And then also probably Jack Golden playing D-Midi. So a lot of experience this year on the team, it seems like. Yeah, definitely. We're definitely deep in areas we need to be and in areas we haven't been before. Excellent. Well, I mean, any other thoughts on the season upcoming and some keys you have in your mind to have you know be a successful year? I'm super excited. Um, we're looking forward to a great year and just defending our turf and going to other people's and spoiling their party. There you have it. Stephen Bull, thanks so much. Thank you. 
This is a big week for Bates in a number of sports. The women's squash team competes in team nationals at Trinity. The track and field teams compete in the New England Division III indoor championships, with the men heading to MIT and the women heading to Bowdoin. The skiing teams host the Bates Carnival, which doubles as the NCAA East Regional Championship. The men's swimming and diving teams head to Middlebury for the NASCAC Championships, and the baseball, tennis, and lacrosse teams begin their seasons. We'll recap it all next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bates! Bates! Bates!